Over the last 70 years, partially in reaction to the murder of Emmett Till, white people have been programmed to reduce their racial animus towards black people. Meanwhile, over the same 70-year period, the leftists in charge of America's educational system have programmed black people to believe white people are responsible for the success and failure of black people and that white people are inherently anti-black. Even worse, Democrats have convinced black people that religious faith and biblical morality should be abandoned for political power. When you add in the destruction of the nuclear family, you've created a lethal Molotov cocktail of racial destruction. Racial hatred plus secularism plus absentee fathers equals a black KKK. Welcome, welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Wednesday, happy hump day. Uh, happy just to be here. Happy to be alive and blessed by God to be here and be alive. Happy that we have a fantastic show scheduled for you today. Dave Shannon's gonna be here, Shamika Michelle's gonna be here, Pastor Anthony Walker, some Tennessee Harmony. We have a fantastic show that I just teased we're going to talk about what's going on in black culture, within uh, American culture, and how roles have been reversed. And that's gonna be a theme throughout the show. We're gonna talk a little bit about rap music. I told you guys yesterday that uh, I wanted to continue the conversation Shamika Michelle and I had about rap music and, and combining it with gospel music and whether that's right or wrong. But that conversation is gonna get even bigger and broader and we'll do that in the Tennessee Harmony segment. We'll also lighten up the show a little bit in the middle with uh, Shamika Michelle. We'll talk about Giselle Bungeon and we'll have a Make It Make Sense uh, video. There was some politician that said something stupid and I want Mich Shamika Michelle to make it make sense for me. Uh, but we have a fantastic show that's going to start with an amazing fire starter. But uh, I want to tell you guys about one of our sponsors and one of the friends of the program and a product that I'm high on, Nugenics. Feeling like you just can't get in shape? That's the way I used to feel. Now I don't feel that way because I'm getting in shape. And Nugenics has been a part of that. It's not your fault, it happens to every man. As men age, our bodies naturally lose free testosterone. That's because when you're, you were younger, you were at the peak of your testosterone production. Getting older makes it hard to stay in shape, but how would you like more energy to counter the negative physical effects of aging? Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster is the number one selling testosterone booster at GNC. It will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. Look at me. I'm shrinking right before your eyes. I got more testosterone. I got more energy. I feel better. I'm happier. I'm hopping around the country. You got, like last week, when I went to Dallas to uh, hang out and fellowship with Tony Evans, uh, I used to like dread going on the road because I'd always feel sluggish when I got off the road. Not anymore. 
Not now that I'm losing weight and I'm in better shape and I can sit in a Southwest Airlines seat comfortably. I haven't, the last two times I've flown, I flew coach. I hadn't done that in 20 years. I'm telling you guys, and look, I'm 55. You guys know I'm old and fat. I'm getting smaller. But anyway, I'm feeling better. I'm doing better. Nugenics Total T can help you. It can help boost it because it has key ingredients like testosterone, which has been validated in five clinical studies shown to boost free testosterone levels in men. Because Nugenics Total T boosts free testosterone, that aging process robs you of, you'll feel stronger, leaner, and more energy and drive and more passion too. Your partner will notice the difference. Now get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text FEARLESS to 231231. Text now and get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, their most powerful fat incinerator ever, and key, with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. Text FEARLESS to 231231. Fearless to 231231. You can start looking like your boy and feeling like your boy. I'm becoming a better fearless soldier thanks to Nugenics. You can too. All right. Just want to take care of some business early so that when I hop into this fire starter and Dave Shannon starts helping me fan the flames, I ain't got to worry about business because I don't know how long I'm going to ignite this fire because this is something I'm really passionate about. Rachel Richardson, the now infamous Duke volleyball player who falsely accused BYU fans of racial taunts, has been analogized to Jussie Smollett. The analogy falls short. Richardson is more Carolyn Bryant than Jussie Smollett. Of course, we all remember Smollett in 2019, the Empire actor planned, paid for, and executed a racial hoax in the city of Chicago. Enhanced fortune and fame smart, sparked Smollett to accuse white Trump supporters of assault and attempted kidnapping. In 1955, when Carolyn Bryant unwittingly set in motion the murder of 14-year-old Emmett Till, she had no delusions of fame and fortune. Mississippi's pervasive culture of anti-black racial animus motivated her actions. She accused a young black boy of disrespectful behavior because that was the custom of the time. Nearly seven decades later, America has adopted a different custom and a different racial animus. The culture rewards and abets anti-white racial animus. Racist political elites, primarily members of the Democratic Party, have once again rigged the system to favor a specific group based on skin color. They call it equity. It works just the same as the entitlement that justified Jim Crow laws 70 years ago. When Carolyn Bryant was 21, she lived in a world that told her white people were entitled to special treatment that placed them above blacks, Asians, Latinos, and everyone else. Richardson, at age 19, lives in a cocoon of bigotry that tells her black people are owed special treatment above their peers. Lessa Pamplin, Richardson's godmother, is an unrepentant bigot. Pamplin ignited the Duke-BYU racial controversy when she posted tweets accusing BYU students of taunting Richardson with the N-word throughout the entirety of the volleyball match. Pamplin is a Democrat politician running for office in Texas. 
She was not in attendance at the volleyball match. She repeated the story her goddaughter told her. Pamphlet's tweet summoned the racial lynch mob. LeBron James, Stephen A. Smith, Don Staley, Ben Crump, and many others joined the manhunt to lynch BYU and its students. The mob zeroed in on a special needs kid who briefly interacted with Richardson after the game. With no evidence and no investigation, the mob was satisfied with smearing a special needs kid and BYU of mistreating Rachel Richardson. The autistic kid and BYU represent whiteness. We live in a time when it's appropriate and fashionable to assume the worst of white people. The negative assumptions are taught in school under the pretense of critical race theory. Modern American culture programs us to hate white people much the same way the 1950s programmed Carolyn Bryant to hate black people. You can see the impact of the programming far beyond teenage volleyball players. Virtually every day, social media circulates a viral video featuring young black people violently attacking a white person. It's the predictable and natural boomerang to the George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, and Eric Garner videos. Newton's third law applies. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. The problem is, as it relates to violent crime videos, the reaction isn't equal, it's disproportionate. White police officers and white people do not violently attack black people at the same rate as black people attacking white people. Over the last 70 years, partially in reaction to the murder of Emmett Till, white people have been programmed to reduce their racial animus toward black people. Democrats won't tell black people that historical fact. They keep black voters loyal by telling them that nothing has changed since 1955. That's why Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, and other Democrats brag about passing anti-lynching laws in 2022. Lynching black people hasn't been a thing in this country for 60 years. Democrats want black people to believe the Proud Boys or Oath Keepers are the new KKK. But there's no evidence. With the prevalence of cell phones, you'd think we'd have videos of Proud Boys burning a cross or the Oath Keepers beating a black man. We don't. All we have is Joe Biden's word that white racists are the greatest threat to our democracy. Their supporting evidence is that on January 6th, white men wanted to kidnap and hang Mike Pence, who is a white Republican, and a black police officer shot an unarmed white woman, Ashley Babbitt. Doesn't that sound just like the KKK? Meanwhile, over the same 70-year period, the leftists in charge of America's educational systems have programmed black people to believe white people are responsible for the success and failure of black people and that white people are inherently anti-black and evil. Even worse, Democrats have convinced black people that religious faith and biblical morality should be abandoned for political power. When you add in the destruction of the nuclear family, you've created a lethal Molotov cocktail of racial destruction. Racial hatred, 
plus secularism plus absentee fathers equals a black KKK. That's what the viral videos depict. Democrats have created a new KKK. I could show you an endless stream of videos that look like this. Watch this bathroom fight. That's at a school. Here's another bathroom fight at a school. Watch this. Here's another video. Three white women in South Philadelphia attacked by a black man. Watch this video. There's an endless stream of these videos all over social media, all over. We could go all day just showing you videos of black criminals assaulting white people, Asian people, Latino people, each other. I just saw one of Carnival Cruise, black families attacking each other on a cruise ship. I could on and 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 on. I could review Daryl Brooks driving through a Christmas par parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Or we could talk about the murder of Ethan Lyman in Akron, Ohio, the young teenage boy killed in the parking lot of LeBron James's high school. Oh, I, I hear the critics now. Oh, <laughs> what about the Buffalo mass shooter who targeted black people? What about Dylan Roof who killed black church congregants? Those events are far more rare than what we're witnessing on a daily basis. The stats are overwhelming. Here's some research on interracial violent crime rates. It's taken from 2018. There are more than 500,000 instances of black on white violent crime and just 60,000 instances of white on black violent crime. We're ignoring a national epidemic. The left preaches racial hatred, secularism, and the destruction of the patriarchy and the nuclear family. No God, no fathers, and racial entitlement produces chaos, anarchy, and violence. At some point, evangelicals, those of us who believe in God, we have to call out and confront the black KKK the same way our forefathers boldly stood against the white KKK, Democrats empowered long ago.
same thing is going on now. They have not ended racism. They just changed the color code and the color scheme. And I'm just sorry, we can't bury our head in the sand and pretend like we don't see it. Take them blinders off. Everybody can see it. People are talking about it quietly. And now they're starting to talk about it publicly. This was heavy on my heart because last night, this morning, I'm looking at videos and comments from uh, Ali Bestucky, who I love here at The Blaze, pointing out these videos. That's Ali Bestucky is not racist. She's a Christian. She's a believer. She's got eyes. She's got common sense. Matt Walsh over at the Daily Wire, I saw him point one of these out. This dude is a believer. He's not some flaming racist. He's not a racist. He's a believer. He's got eyes. He can see it. He can see the programming. He can see what corporate media and the left has done, has told black people, preached them, you must hate white people. And we're wondering why our kids, our young people, are out being violent towards white people randomly? You strip them of their fathers. You strip them of male leadership. You strip them of a proper family structure. You strip them away from God. You convince them that there's a political solution to a spiritual problem. You convince them that Christianity is their enemy. You convince them that the Christianity that delivered them from Jim Crow and from slavery is now their enemy, abandon God. You convince people who are here and who have risen because of our faith. You convince them that that same religion is now their enemy. Destroy the family, take away God and preach to them that white people owe you something. You're entitled. These, vi these videos, this anarchy, this chaos, this wild violence we're seeing every day circulated in viral videos, it's predictable. We've seen it all before. We've seen a culture embrace a racial entitlement. That's what got Emmett Till murdered. Carolyn Bryant, her husband, Roy Bryant, and I can't remember the other dude's name. They lived in an environment, in a culture that told them they were entitled, that they had a special privilege, and that it was custom to demonize black people and do whatever you wanted to black people. We once proudly, boldly, courageously stood up and called out that satanic nonsense. And America put a stop to it. They can pass these anti-lynching laws in 2022 knowing that in the 1950s and 60s, 
We put a stop to all of that. Believers did. We have to stand up and boldly put a stop to what is right in front of all of our faces. And I'm, I'm sorry, I don't care who this upsets, makes uncomfortable, everybody loves to talk about, we need to have uncomfortable conversations. Yes, we do. And the most uncomfortable conversation we need to have right now is that these leftists have inflicted black people with a satanic agenda. Walking us away from religious morality, telling us that the matriarchy and a government paycheck can replace a father. I w I'm, I'm, I'm gonna circle back to this later in the show when I get into my conversation with Pastor Anthony and Shamika during Tennessee Harmony, but I wanna play this video Shamika sent me this morning female rapper, made a rap song about abortions, calls it BDF, Black Daddy Free. I watched this this morning and wanted to fall out of my chair and just drop to my knees and say, we need an exorcism. Because the devil has gotten a hold of us that someone would think to make a video celebrating the killing of babies. But it's been done. And, and I'm just, there's a spiritual rot within us. We've been sold a lie that political power is better for us than the power of God and the power of morality and obedience to God. Obedience to Joe Biden and Barack Obama and Nancy Pelosi does not have the benefits of obedience to God. And so in a court, I've presented you video evidence. Now, I, this is my final piece of video evidence that we have a crisis in the black community or among black people that has to be addressed. Not just for our salvation as black people, but for this country's salvation. Because trust me, they're coming for you. That's why they have drag queens in front of your kids every day. That's why your schools are filled with LGBTQ grooming teachers. They're coming for your young people with a different version of this satanic ideology. Yes, they got us first, but you're next. Look at this video of this female rapper.
said he wanna settle down. Selling all these dreams. He got one kid, two kid, three kid, four. Bitch, he cheaper by the dozen if his ass have any more. And I'm only 25, still got a couple years to go. I don't need a babysitter, cause this baby gotta go. It's a We need an exorcism. That, that we need an exorcism. This woman shouting about murder in front of a Planned Parenthood. I'm baby daddy free. I know my role in this. It, tiny whatever percentage of my role, if it's less than one millionth of one percent, I'm embarrassed about my role in any of this. Because the music that I used to love and listen to constantly was a gateway drug to what that woman's rapping about. You can't sit up and listen to Dr. Dre say, never hesitate to put a nigga on his back and not be smart enough to know that if Dr. Dre is rap rapping about, he never hesitates to kill another black man. It was only a matter of time before some female rapper put out a song about never hesitating to kill a baby in the womb. It's just a gateway drug. Never hesitate to put a nigga on his back. Dre rapped about, go look it up, go listen to it. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. That's just the gateway drug to, uh, I got murder on my mind, I'm baby daddy free. I'm standing out front of a Planned Parenthood, baby gotta go. These things are all connected. It may have taken 30 years to get here, but anybody with a brain knew that's where this was headed. That a satanic cult had gotten a hold of rap music and this is the path we were on. We need an exorcism. There's a demonic satanic spirit that has gotten a hold of our young people. All these people growing up without fathers in the home, you reject God's plan, his family structure, his order, his commands. There is a price you're going to pay for that. And we're paying that price. There is a new KKK. And I know people get tired of me talking about, and I've been talking about this for 20 years. What, go back, whatever the date was, let me look it up. First time I started talking about it and people got pissed at me, uh, but I want to look it up. The Sean Taylor murdered. What year did Sean Taylor get murdered? 2007. Yeah, 2007. It's first time I started talking about the black KKK. So that's 16 years ago, 15 years ago. I've been talking about this. Black people being programmed for their own death and destruction. 
black people terrorizing their own communities. Now that violence, that terror that we sat and, and, and watched uh, ravage black communities, now it's spilling out everywhere. And we're seeing videos everywhere of these same KKK members now starting to attack, damage, kill white people. I, we're gonna roll out to Dave Shannon, but I, I wanna clear the decks a little bit more so that I can talk to Dave uninterrupted without thinking about I need to get to Dave. And, and, and so what we're ended up gonna do, just so my team is on the same page as me, I'm gonna end up spending so much time with Dave. We're gonna do this here with Dave, and then we'll, we'll just do two segments. We'll do this here with Dave, then we'll bring Shamika and Anthony in. We'll talk about the rap song and the other stuff. I'll get to the other stuff I want to talk to Shamika about. We'll get to it tomorrow. I, I'm on one right now, so, <clears throat> and I don't know how long I'll be on one. Uh, so anyway, we'll scrap the B block. That's inside baseball talk, but first, let me take care of uh, an additional one of our sponsors, Patriot Mobile. If you want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work of Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider and a force for conservative values. This is because they take a portion of your bill and fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they're winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. Go to PatriotMobile.com slash Jason or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with the offer code Jason. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement and make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. PatriotMobile.com slash Jason. That's PatriotMobile.com slash Jason or call 972-PATRIOT. Talk about this every day, but it's the little things we can do to fight this satanic culture. We all got to have cell phones. We all need to be engaged in this fight. This is a small thing that you can do by hopping on board with Patriot Mobile. Use my promo code, Jason, but hop on board with Patriot Mobile. We're in a war for our kids and for this country, and not, we're in a war with the devil. That's what I'm talking about today. The exorcism process is going to have to be decoupling ourselves from organizations and big tech companies that are in support of this satanic agenda. Patriot Mobile, that's a way to help. Don't complain about it if you're not willing to do anything about it. You know what, turn off this show if you're not willing to do anything about it. If all you wanna do is just turn in and be entertained and listen to me talk, go someplace else. Let's get involved in this fight. The, the, the country, our young people, the kids are dependent upon, I don't even have kids, but damn it, I am not going to turn this country 
over to the devil. Not without putting up a fight. <clears throat> Dave, uh, I need some help here. Uh, I've, I've cleared the deck so that uh, you and I can talk. I look at that video of that woman that uh, is in need of an exorcism, and I, I think about all of us that are in need of an exorcism. I, I, I don't distance myself from that woman, and I thank God that God is working on me to the point that I can see the wickedness and, and have a platform where I can call it out. Uh, but I, I just think as evangelicals, as Christians, as believers, we're gonna have to muster the courage to call out what is obvious right now. Black people are being used as a part of a satanic mission to bring this country down. I see it in the music, I see it in our behavior, I see it in these videos of the kind of violent attacks that we're burying our heads and acting like aren't going on. And, and I think back to a time when evangelicals did stand up against racism. And, and it took courage and many people risked their lives and lost their lives standing against white racism. We gotta stand against this. Um. Jason, I wish I can say I was as hopeful for the evangelical church right now as, as we need to be, but more than half of them are compromised or woke themselves. So I feel like we're in a dire situation more than we were in the earlier days in this fight because we don't know what to really fight for. You know, back in that time, the black church and the church that was fighting against this racism, they knew that the the issue wasn't necessarily the race so much as it was the idea behind it, that every man is made in the image of God and should have respect. When Emmett Till was killed, it wasn't wrong because he was a black man. It was wrong because he was a, a young man, a human, a person made in the image of God. And so long as we, you know, when I was watching those videos of the kids beating up the other kids and the black kids beating up the white kids, the troubling part of it in the, that I saw really made me start thinking about, man, what's really going on with black kids? Like, what's happening to them? Um, and then I started going and watching other videos and I'm like, okay. And the more and more I started thinking about what was going on and the troubles, I, the more and more I started coming up with ways to fix the problem, the more and more I started turning out to be a liberal, which really bothered me <laughs> because I'm coming up with policies that are directed and made towards black people and I'm missing the whole issue of the problem. And I had to stop for a second and break this thing down to kind of three different parts. I need to first remember that justice itself is blind for a reason. So when I think about this in a civil matter, I need to make sure that I put my blinders on so I'm not concerned about the race of the person or the individual. I'm concerned about the individual who's made in the image of God so that I can judge the issue properly. It doesn't matter that you kicked the Asian person or you kicked a, a white person or a Korean person. It matters that you should have never kicked that person. He's made in the image of God. He is entitled to certain respects and and uh, and uh, the way that you use your members towards him is not a way to harm him, but to love him. And so when I look at that, I need to make sure first that I'm looking through the civic judicial side with blinders on to say, wait a second, I don't see the color of a person because it doesn't matter. You don't get to treat human beings like that, period. And then there's another side of this where the church gets to ask different kinds of questions. Wait a second. 
did you actually kick that person because of the color of their skin and you have animus in your heart towards that person? Oh, brother, that kind of stuff gets you hell. That kind of stuff gets you separated from God and creates an environment here that is going to be damnable for you and you will suffer that way for eternity. You need to repent. The church asks different questions and gets to manage the heart in that way. But Jason, the, the real issue comes right here to the third sphere, which is the family. The family is the seminary for both the state and the culture and the church. The, the family makes these kind of people. And the way they do that is with a certain type of education. And so when I see these things as a family, as a person in the family who, who has seven kids, I'm thinking, what type of education must their parents have given them for them to turn out to say it's okay to treat another human being that way? And I realized, oh, that parents abdicated their responsibility to the government to give them that type of education. So the parents are already disconnected from being parents and have given that ability to the state to disciple and teach and educate their kids. And education is the process in which you teach someone to love the things that they ought to love and to hate the things that they ought to hate. And the education has become so corrupted in our government schools that what we are seeing are not kids that are not educated and discipled, but kids that are discipled to do that exact thing that they are doing right there when we watch those video clips. That's why it's happening in the schools. This is a new home. It's a new training center. And what we need to do is to say, wait a second. God gave me those kids. I'm responsible for teaching and training them to love the things that they ought to love and to hate the things they ought to hate. Jason, if we're going to get out of this, we're going to get out of it because Parents wake up to their responsibility. Churches wake up to their responsibility and not think about this thing so much as a racial issue as much as it is a human issue. And the civil magistrate needs to make sure that they keep their blindfolds on and don't look at this thing based off, well, white people are doing this, black people are doing No, 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 no. This is a crime. You were right. This is a this is an epidemic. But it's an epidemic, not of a racial crime, but of crime itself, because that's their responsibility. And we let the other people in those other spheres deal with that problem. Dave, I, do, I hear you, but I think I'm going to quibble with you and it, say, or maybe I'm not hearing you accurately. But my contention is that the left, in pursuit of political power, has targeted a certain audience, black people, our young people, with a message of, you should hate white people. They owe you something, you've been treated unfairly, this country's treated you unfairly, and we've been, the educational system has been beating that drum, that you're owed a debt, you deserve a special level of privilege, uh, you, it's okay and it's justified for you to hate white people. And our kids are getting that stimulus. And then when the left moves you away from religion and tells you, you don't need God, you don't need a father, you don't need the family structure that God prescribed. That, there have been programs established 60, 70 years ago to get the outcome that we have, a very matriarchal, black culture, no man involved. There was a system put in place. And again, I, I said this the other night on Tucker Carlson. There's no shortage of racism. People love to say they're doing these racial hoaxes because there's a shortage of racism. I don't believe that. 
I believe there's an abundant supply of racism. We've just identified the wrong people who are the suppliers. The, what the left is doing is calculated and racist against black people. Remove the father, remove religion, and tell these people that they are owed a debt and, and that white people are in control of their destiny. That all, all of that, removal of God, removal of father, and telling people that there's a magical set of white people that are in control of your destiny. All of that is racist to me, and we got an endless supply of it, and I look at our kids, and I say, it's working. And so I can't remove the racial component of this. I'm not gonna put my head in the sand and say that your kids aren't under attack by this system being employed, deployed by the left. Yeah, but this system won't have my kids. This system won't have my kids. You know, and, and that's that's part of what I'm saying is that the only reason that the system will have other people's kids is because they don't do things like train their kids. So I, I go through this process of catechism every day with my kids. Who made you? They respond back to me, God made me. What else did God make? All things. How did he make those things? He spoke them into existence. And I asked them, what's the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. What is the rule that God has given to teach you how you may glorify and enjoy him? The scriptures are the only rule to teach us how to glorify and enjoy him forever. See, Jason, the problem is that we've abdicated our responsibility so that our kids that are not being discipled that type of way believe the lie that is being told them. And that lie, I can't agree with you more on this. The lie is that you can't get to where you got to go. The world doesn't work for you the way it should work for you because white man. And if white man was removed, then you could actually get to excel where you need to go, be the kind of person you need to be. And so the problem is white folks. And so there's no doubt that they're believing that lie. And that's the same lie, by the way, that the KKK believed too. Black people are going to get in the way of our success. Black people are the problem in the future for us. If, if they get to this place, then it's going to be less for us. It's the same lie. There's no doubt about that. So I don't even, there's an education problem that was wrong there too. There was a family broken down problem that was wrong there too. So I don't doubt that. But Jason, the reason why they won't have my kids is because I am the person that is feeding them the doctrine that they need in order to have an immune system to this type of mess. The, the, I, the girl that was singing um, Baby Daddy Free, that's a girl that we all know never had a father. She, she, her problem is that she's fatherless free. She, she doesn't have a father. She's That's the, her biggest problem. That's why she can sing the mess that she's singing is because I can't, that, that, she, no daddy is, is going to, and even a good daddy is going to let his daughter go through that type of mess, right? And so she's bankrupt in that. And I'm saying everything that we see that's right now in our culture where we're bankrupt that isn't so much as, look, when Eve took part of the fruit and ate the fruit, the problem wasn't that she ate the fruit. That's not where creation fell at. Creation fell when Adam did the same thing. Adam was the problem. Creation falls the culture falls when husbands and fathers don't protect their wives and their children. You get a garden and you're supposed to protect it. Yeah, the left is preaching this mess and trash. That's what I expect them to do. But what I don't expect is for us to allow our kids to have an education system to teach them that they're not made in the image of God. We're letting our kids be taught by the very mess that we don't want them in. So our problem is not keeping our kids, Jason. Our kids don't have an immune system for this. I expect people who are anti-God 
to be anti-God. But I also expect people who to be Christians to know that their virtue and their value isn't in the color of their skin. And that's where the, ch- the church is there right now. They're so full of guilt. They don't believe the own go- their own gospel that I don't think that they can fight this. And that's why half the church has gone the same way, too. Dave, I can't disagree with your argument. I, I really can't because it's very sound. I, I do. I'm going to circle back one more time, though, and, and ask you this question. Because I think we're at a critical time, a Hail Mary time. It's late in the game. And, and there needs to be a specific, if you can't, if you don't recognize a problem, you can never fix it. And so what I see from a lot of people, but in particular, black people, a denial of a problem that 70, 75% of our kids are being born with no father in the home or unwed parents or whatever. That's a massive problem. And there are people out there saying the results you're getting are because of white racism. And I'm saying, no, the results we're getting are a byproduct of our family structure. You get out of line with God, the results are going to be catastrophic. And and I'm looking at this denial being preached to us, and it's no different than the denial of my weight problem. If it goes unaddressed, if I don't address it, the results are going to be catastrophic. And, And that's what I see happening to a certain segment of the population, us, 70, 75% of our kids coming up in single parent homes, the results are, and so I think we are, and I think as Christians, as believers, we have to have a, a specific game plan to deal with the group that is being most hurt by this. And it's, it's no different, and again, feel free to disagree, but there was a time in the 40s, 50s, 60s, and before that, where America was very comfortable saying, you know what, white people have to deal with their racism, and it's a specific problem. This ain't Dr. King and their problem. This ain't black folks' problem. This is y'all's problem. It must be addressed. and and. I don't understand why we can't now pivot to, okay, there's a specific problem with us, and let's talk that honestly that we need to address, the, and again, we have to address this problem as black people, no? No, I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just, part of what I was trying to say earlier is that it is easy to merge all these categories together when we think about kind of the problem so that we think about it in a civil magistrate. Everybody has looked to the civil magistrate because we want to find the place that has the most power to fix the problem. And so we say, well, go ahead and define, go ahead, just just for our audience, when you say civil magistrate, define, clarify exactly who you're talking about. I'm speaking of federal government mainly. How is the government, 
How is how are we going to pass laws? How are we going to um, create better ways of policing? How are we going to make sure that we can have some sort of structure to stop this thing? And I'm saying, and I'm agreeing with you, but I'm saying there are more. There are three ways to attack this problem. And as a civil magistrate, we must keep blind, because if we don't keep the civil magistrate blind, then they will make justice is blind. That's how justice works, and we need to make sure that justice remains that way. So part of me wants to remove justice in one sense off the table of having the conversation and say, let's keep that based off of what another person does to another person. Did you hurt him? Was it defending yourself or wasn't it defending yourself? And I want to take and move that conversation over there. Let me stop you right Right? here. Let let me stop you right here and say, I'm perfectly comfortable taking the federal government off the table. It's really no part of my argument. My argument is evangelicals, believers, Christians. This is our problem to fix. Now continue. Yeah, I'm just saying that it's tend to, we tend to merge them all together. So that's off the table. When it comes to the church, the church then really does get to deal with the question of how are you treating a person based on your heart, the issues of your heart? Are you treating this person this way because of their sex or because of the color of their skin? The church gets to ask and work through those questions. But even before we get there, and this is where I think we agree at, Yeah, at the house, we got to deal with that. We know as black people in black culture, I think the residue is then, but I think we know that our holdups and our problems have nothing to do with white people. We, We know that internally. We know that. We know if we wanted to do something... Jason, every time people talk about black power this or black... um, any sort of black virtue, black essence, black greatness, we never say... we never blame that on white people. Or the lack of white people, we blame it. We, we, our essence, our greatness comes from us. We were able to achieve whatever we wanted to achieve because of us. So the problem for us is that when we don't give our effort to do something, we have to have a fall guy. And the, the government, the culture has told us, hey, if you come join, join our team and be a part of us, we can prep for you this great fall guy over here. <laughs> And so we've bought into, hey, they got a fall guy for the low, low price of $19.99. I'll buy that. All my problems, my fatness, my ugliness, everything is this fall guy's fault that I bought for the low, low price of $19.99 and my soul. So, but we 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 know that. We know that that's not really our problem. We know that our our real problem is that we have brokenness. We are broken. And so because of that, we don't do the things that we ought to do. We don't love the things that we ought to love. And then if it's not that person, if it's not the white guy's fault, then it's my dad's fault. You know, we, we, we got to We're, we're going to find a fall guy one way or another. And so, yeah, I know we need to be talking about these things. I know that we need to be engaging these things. But part of me is not willing to let us off the hook to say we already know. We know that it's not their fault when we see man just a generation ago. My mom, when we were on the living in the ghetto, we see somebody do something. She'd be like, is that so-and-so's kid? Now, I know his mama don't want him out here doing that. I'm going to call his mom. Like, and we know it used to be a part of our stand-up. We couldn't do nothing out there because somebody see you, you get a spanking all the way home. So we know that we've given up this. We know that this is not our culture anymore. And, but we've bought the fall guy. And so, so long as we have the fall guy, 
and the promise that, hey, maybe you can still get what you want without having to give any effort. Anybody who sees the easy way out is going to take it. That's that's easy. It was, it's hard, though, to say, I'm going to marry a woman, give my life to her, gain wisdom through loving her, raise kids that fear God, honor God, love the image of God, and work hard so that they can get not somebody else's entitlement, but they're entitled to the things that they work for. That's hard. And I don't think it's just a black problem. I, I think that we're dealing with it. Our whole American culture is saturated with the easy way out. Where's the fall guy problem? Dave, I got to let you go. You're giving me much to think about. I'm going to continue this conversation with uh, Shamika and Pastor Anthony. We're going to talk about that video I played of the young woman rapper and I've seen Eminem hop into the gospel music space and I don't know what I think about it. Uh, is that, are they doing more harm than good? Uh, but, you know, after watching this video this morning of the female rapper, I said, we're gonna have to separate. The, you know, the, the people that wanna dabble or live a very secular, evil, satanic life. Don't come over here dabbling in this Christian space. Go do you, let us do us. You're the bad guys. Don't come over here pretending you're the good guys. I'm gonna have that conversation with Anthony and Shamika and continue this conversation. I'm feeling all kinds of free. These words are our religion, our regrets and our decisions. We don't wanna go to heaven with freedom. It's my obligation, no hate, discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. All right, welcome back. Uh, time for a little Tennessee harmony. Uh, and boy, do I need it. Uh, Pastor Anthony Walker is here with us, as well as Shamika Michelle uh, joining us uh, live from uh, North Carolina. Uh, Anthony, I need this pre-Tennessee Harmony prayer more than any others. I'm a little fired up, uh, so calm me down. Father God, we're thankful for this day, thankful for your blessings. Father, we're thankful for the opportunity uh, to be able to share. Bless us, Father, uh, as we deal with so many cultural issues uh, and help us to always focus on your word and your response to these issues. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Shamika, this morning you sent me a video that nearly knocked me off my feet and, and knocked me down to my knees in prayer. Uh, I've played it already once. I'm gonna play it again here just for the, this conversation, but uh, a woman has made a rap song called BDF, Black Daddy Free. She's standing outside of a Planned Parenthood. She's rapping about murder and baby gotta go and how she doesn't have a baby and is willing to abort her baby. Or Let's just play the video again and then uh, I'm gonna ask you, why'd you send me this, Shamika? But anyway, let, let's play the video. 
me on the shelf, bitch. I'm outside with the team. All these bitches having babies, but that ain't finna be me. Said he wanna settle down, selling all these dreams. He got one kid, two kid, three kid, four. Bitch, he cheaper by the dozen if his ass have any more. And I'm only 25, still got a couple years to go. I don't need a babysitter, cause this baby gotta go. It's a so, <clears throat> yesterday, Shamika and I had a conversation about uh, secular artists and gospel music and Eminem's made a rap song with DJ Khaled that's uh, a gospel rap song and that kind of raised my eyebrows. And then this past Sunday, I'm in Dallas at Tony Evans' church and uh, Kirk Franklin, the gospel artist sits directly in front of me at Tony's church. I didn't know Kirk was a member of the church or whatever, but Rance Allen and Kirk Franklin's version of something about the name of Jesus is one of my favorite songs. I literally that morning had dreamed about uh, not knowing Kirk belonged to the church, but I just dreamed. I was like, man, I hope they play something about the name of Jesus at church. That'll really get me fired up. And, and then the next thing I know, Kirk Franklin walks in and I'm like, oh my God. But Kirk has worked with, and there's a picture of me and TJ Moe with Kirk Franklin after church, but Kirk has worked with uh, Salt and Pepper and other rappers and, you know, talks about taking gospel music uh, to different audiences and using different techniques to get the word in, in front of people. And, and so, but part of me just thinks like rap music is unfixable and uh, secular artists being involved with gospel music probably sends a mixed message that's perhaps inappropriate. And I'll have Anthony uh, speak to that here in a second, but I'm gonna let the ladies go first here. Uh, Shamika, for, I, I wanna start with, because I'm just combining a bunch of different things, but you sent me that video, and this morning we talked briefly, and, and I'm just like, hey, there's, there's a crisis. When, when someone feels like they can make this kind of music without any real repercussions other than publicity and attention, uh, perhaps there's a crisis that, that we're ignoring. And like, this is just a bridge too far. Uh, and among many bridges too far. But, but as I said earlier in the show, when Dr. Dre was rapping about, I never hesitate to put an N-word on his back, that was a bridge too far. Uh, but anyway, your thoughts on this latest video and just rap in general, and does it have any place in gospel music? So with this rapper, this is an up and coming rapper. This uh, baby daddy free song is a take on Glorilla's free song and it's kind of sweeping the internet kind of sweeping the radio stations just it's a step further from women saying i don't need a man i can do this on my own i'm single in glorilla's video they even have a baby in there a pregnant woman while they're smoking blunts and drinking and saying how they don't need a man and so this up and coming rapper took this song baby daddy free and took it a step further 
So it just kind of shows where we are as a culture. Even talking about Megan Thee Stallion yesterday when she's saying this is what men have been saying for a long time. We should be able to have this sexual freedom talk because men have been doing it. But we... I mean, what you see today is a result of that thinking that we have to actually push the envelope a lot further, which only creates more death because it is killing the black family. Most men don't want women like this. Most men are not marrying uh, women like this, but they are leaving their seat there and having children with these type of women. And this is who they're leaving their seat with to raise those kids. And we wonder why our children are out of control and acting the way that they do. This is why, because this is what this type of music is producing. And when it comes to gospel music, I definitely feel like there should be a line drawn in the sand. Either it's holiness and righteousness or is this sin? And when they try to marry the two, I feel like we should be calling it out or somebody should be calling it out and chastising these people because the scripture tells you to come out from among them and be separate. It should be apparent that there is no marriage between the two. You're one or the other, cold or hot, in or out. Anthony, I'm dropping a big Molotov or a big, big topic in your lap and particularly your Church of Christ. And y'all have some unique views on music and instruments. And so take as much time as you need. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to just sit here and take some notes and mm. continue to pray. <laughs> so so the video was just it was way too far. Um, I think it was very bold in just saying, hey, I'm thinking about murder, like murder's on my mind, this is it. And if anybody is, you know, pro-abortion and, and they're watching this, listening to this, she's advertising, this is murder. And it's, it's you know, let a Christian say that and we're, you know, hung out to dry, but let her make a video about it and it's underlined, it's, it's freedom. And, and when we think about what freedom really is, uh, freedom is best experienced in God's hand and according to God's plan. When you're in his hand, when you're in his way, when you live by his plan, you're as free as you want to be. But don't get out of his word because now you're out of bounds and you're into all kind of stuff that only brings death and destruction. As it relates to music in general, gospel music. Uh, I, I came up with the understanding that gospel music expresses the gospel. Uh, obviously, it has a positive note to it, but it expresses the gospel, the transformative nature that God came down in flesh uh, in Jesus to save us from our sin affliction that we couldn't get over without him. So all kinds of gospel music that I grew up listening to had that message but the message was not just an advertisement. It's a transformation. I'm listening to this because I got to keep my mind focused on the journey. Um, even within our churches, you know, we we have grown more culturally towards kind of an entertainment value as it relates to worship. When really what we need to understand about worship is the audience is not us. The audience is God. We are beneficiaries of the worship and praise that's rendered to him. Yes, I'm motivated, I'm edified, I'm encouraged by it, but I don't need to be the audience because now it is 
my taste, my flavor, and it's not really about God, it's about me. So as you look at where culture is going now, a lot of it is kind of entertainment. Some, some churches kind of have this almost concert feel to it, dim lights, your own stage, and we're just watching and a part of this versus, hey, wait, I'm a part of this because we're all in this worshiping God. So when you go there and you have this culture seeping in, it begins the crossover. Uh, yeah, you know, Kirk, uh, I like a lot of his stuff. Um, he's even doing some music now with uh, Elevation and Maverick City. Sounds good. Um, but again, my concern becomes, are we trying to mirror the culture or are we trying to transform the culture? And that's where when you get these artist uh, Kanye a little while ago with his Jesus is King. I, I know, you know, from what he says at the time, what he was trying to do. But again, you get so close to the culture to where now we're leaving the culture of transforming our lives to where this now just becomes something entertaining with kind of a positive tip to it. And so that's where my concern gets with music in general as we grow more and more towards kind of a cultural, yeah, it's going to sound like hip hop, it's going to sound like club beats, it's going to sound, some songs almost have an R&B feel to it, like, wait a minute, I'm, am I trying to get out of this what I want because I want something that sounds good, or is this about honoring God and transforming lives? I'll say this, and, and, and then you can continue, if these artists are really about promoting the gospel. Promoting the gospel is not just expressing it, it's about living it. So my, my thing is, are you going to change what you said before Eminem? Or are you changing what you're doing going forward? No, I'm not talking about that. No, that's not right. We're not doing this. Jesus is the only way. Or is this just kind of a flavor of the month? You know what I think I may do? I may make a album about Jesus. I listen to gospel music to get my mind right. Okay. It's, it's, and, and maybe I'm doing it you're approach good. the yeah. wrong way. No, no, you're good. But, but I'm, trying, I'm trying to remind myself and instill in my heart and mind, I'm a Christian, I'm, I'm here to represent God, and I need to remember that. And so, it's like if I'm in my car and I'm listening to gospel music, I'm less likely to drive down the street and go, oh, look at that attractive woman or let mm -hmm. me look out. <laughs> you know, it just yeah. it changes my whole mindset. Whereas if I'm listening to secular music or whatever, it, it lent, takes me that direction. Uh, and, and so I just feel and, and Anthony, you go first and then Shamika, if you have a comment, jump in. But. I just feel like to some degree we're, we're, do we even understand the importance of gospel music? Because I do think you're right. I think of many people like, hey, this is the, kind of the fun part of church. <laughs> and, and literally, I think there's probably a strategy as it relates to the church in terms of getting your mind right for this message that's about to come. I would think is what the music is about. Yeah, it, it's about it's about worshiping God for who he is. 
it is also, it has an edification point to it where we are edified, we are encouraged, we are motivated. It is a bringing to mind those things. If you've uh, you know, considered the book of Psalms, Psalms is a collection of songs. And those songs are a lot, a lot of them, about 70 or so written by David. They're like his journal written to poetry, written in song. We sing a lot of songs. Now, a lot of your popular Christian songs are psalms, but again, they're written to glorify God. They're written to honor God for what he's done. It's not about us, but we are beneficiaries of it. When you say, you know, this is to get my mind right, think about this, and this is where my concern is with where culture begins to bleed into it. There are some songs, Jason, if I was to hum you three notes right now, you would remember what club, what girl, what bar, it just the notes. We haven't sung a word you would remember. Now, if I take that same note and put some gospel words to it, there's going to be some confusion going on in your mind because you're like, man, this sounds so like, man, I remember when. But then, yeah, the words are a little and that's where I'm gathering, and I, she's going to clarify, but that's where I'm gathering what Shamika's saying about even rap. I know there are Christian rap artists, and I get it. My concern, though, is what culture has done with rap. Like, everybody wants to be NBA stars, football stars. They want to be a rapper because of what that culture predicates. But my problem is, is that culture really saving us? Or rather, is it the Jesus that we're talking about that's saving us? If it's him, let them have that culture. Let's do it a different way. Shamika. So, Jason, when you talk about listening to gospel music to get your mind in the right uh, frame, of, you know, frame of mind. And when Pastor Anthony brings up David, I'm reminded of when Saul was vexed with the evil spirit. They would have David come in to play music to actually drive that evil spirit away. So I think we have to actually be mindful of the type of music that we're listening to, because I think just as music was able to drive that spirit away uh, music can bring evil spirits in we open ourselves up for any type and all types of, of evil and so a lot of people when they justify the fact that you have these uh, R&B or rap artists singing uh, gospel music or you have gospel artists doing songs with them they try and justify it and say oh they're winning souls but the question is are they really like you were just saying are they being transformed by the gospel and one of the things yes I will agree Jesus did eat with sinners he said I came for the sick not for you know the healthy he did eat with the sinners but he didn't have the sinners serving people fish and bread it was his disciples that were with him that had actually decided they were going to follow him that he had serving the people. So I think we better be very careful who's serving us and whose hands we are eating from. And are these the people that Jesus has chosen to, to feed? And so I think that's the, the clear line that has to be drawn. Shamika, the other thing, and Anthony, you pop in after Shamika on this, is so right. We can use gospel music to drive out evil spirits. And the, 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 the conversation that we've been having in totality today, the argument I've been making is like, 
has an evil spirit been injected into us by this rap music? And we're looking, and again, I, I, it's not just the rap music. Again, it's the absentee fathers. It's the, uh, you know, the secular movement, the convincing people they don't need God. Uh, and, 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 and I'm just wondering if these things aren't all working in concert and if we're not looking at young people and even people my age that have been baked into this evil culture of hate and violence through the music and through all these other forces, like, I, 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 again, when I play the videos and look at the stats of all the, 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 the crime rates and what's going on, I just can't blame this all on poverty. I, I don't even know what percentage I'm gonna blame on poverty because I used to be poor, really poor. And, but thank God I had a church home and a faith and uh, a grandmama and a mama that, that kept me and my brother on point and instilled things in me. And, and I'm looking at, we're not instilling those things in young people and we've let rap and these other things come in and, and create a crisis in our community that we are, are being told to ignore and focus on the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers in January the 6th. And that's a joke to me when this woman, baby daddy free, that's our enemy. And, mm -hmm. and th that music that teaches us to solve all of our problems with violence and killing each other, that's our enemy. But we spend, or, or we're very reluctant to talk about that publicly, we'll talk about it privately, but, but we'll talk about all these other things very publicly. Anyway, Shamiga, your reaction, and then Anthony. Well, scripture says to train a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. It doesn't say they won't stray, but it says that they won't depart. And so I feel like we aren't training children children in the way that they should go. When we look at us, we were raised in the church. We were given values. We were given morals. Children aren't given that now to the degree that we were. In this video that we watched earlier, there's an older woman who looks like she's about in her 60s dancing around with this young girl as if she's condoning the message that she's sending out. We as older women are supposed to be teaching young girls how to act. We're supposed to be training these children in the way that they should go. We're not doing that if we ourselves are just tossing out our morals and values. Like you said, we've kind of traded in religion. We're not doing that if we're uh, just buying into the Democrat message or into the message of death when it comes to hip-hop so yeah we're not training kids anymore and we ourselves as older people we're not actually setting those examples that we should this video is so disgusting to me and one of the things that stood out was this older woman dancing around with this half-naked girl slapping her on her behind and the message that it was portraying to our people it was irresponsible yeah, that, and that's why the the whole cultural piece of it, the whole culture that comes with hip hop and rap, I, I just can't see mixing that with the wholesomeness and the purity of the gospel. 
But again, I will underline the gospel is and gospel music is more than just singing about it. It's living about it. It's mm -hmm. really having a transformed life. So I understand the goal of some of these Christian artists to say, well, they're all listening to such and such. Let me do a song with them. And all that person is doing is saying a few godly words, you know, blessing and holy. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for God. And that's supposed to make everything OK with the culture that they're bathed in. And the hopes is maybe we'll grab a few. Listen, we've got a problem when we're trying to be like that, but trying to draw them over here. I would rather really focus on living out the gospel, living out the love that, it, that the word talks about, living out what God calls us to do and be different. Stand out. I think Shamika mentioned that earlier. Stand out and be different than put a little sugar on the green beans. You know what I mean? Because when you put a little sugar on the green beans, well, it's going to get them to eat it. Eventually, they're going to develop an appetite for sugar and mm -hmm. not green beans. And we got a sugar problem in the world. So I don't want to just put a little bit of this on here so you can get over here. No, let me teach you really about God's word. You mentioned this about how music is getting our mind right of what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. Paul says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns and songs from the spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christians are supposed to be coming to one another, singing about the goodness of God, living about the goodness of God. That's how we're supposed to be interacting, but not from this other cultural standpoint. So I was I, I want to bring up this tweet and I want to ask you about this, Anthony, sure. because there's a guy running for the house in New York named uh, Jamal Bowman. He put out a tweet yesterday about the PNB rock rapper, uh, the latest murder victim. Uh, imagine how much further along our culture, community and country would be if Tupac was still here, if Biggie was still here, if Nipsey were still here, imagine they, along with Scott LaRock, Big L, and Jam Master J, had the wisdom of years of life and experience to add to their brilliant artistry. Would we finally have self-determination and self-actualization for all? Would we have freedom and justice? Would we have wealth and reparations, truth and reconciliation? We don't know and we will never know because their lives and the lives of so many others were taken from them due to senseless violence. We have so much more to give and we are so much more than this. Come on brothers, come on kings, we need to stop. We are playing right into the hands of white supremacy and uh, settler colonialism by killing each other. They want us dead and gone. We need to stop dying and start living. We need to be alive. So the reason I wanted to ask you that about that specifically, Anthony, is that, Anthony, you're about 40 years old, 15, 16 years younger than me. I grew up uh, heavily influenced by Dr. Martin Luther King. He died a year after my death, but heard so many great stories you know, about him and his Christian leadership. And, and I, I've now have lived long enough 
to where politicians actually think of rappers as leaders. And I'm just wondering as a minister, because I don't, Al Sharpton seems, and I don't really consider him a minister, he calls himself a minister, but he seems like the only minister that gets to be on TV and ha offer an opinion about what's going on in the world and in culture. And it's like you all, ministers in the field actually work, have been replaced by rappers and entertainers. Mm -hmm. And is that offensive? Does that surprise you? Does it, I don't, it's, it's baffling to me. It's, it's just the audience. It's, it's the audience and the platform and the fact that everybody looks to these, it, it, you talk about rappers, but they look at athletes in the same way because they are, apparently are successful and they've made a lot of money. And so they're living the dream that everybody else wants to live. So when a rapper or somebody notable says, hey, we ought to do such and such, they get a following. That's what, that's what it is. But what I would caution you know, this person who tweeted that to understand is, uh, it's tragic. Uh, Tupac is dead, uh, and he's still dead. Um, Biggie is dead. Um, but I can tell you about a man who came to this world, who lived a life perfectly for me, who died for everything that is trying to take me over, died to set me free from the bonds of sin. He died, but he rose again, and he lives and is alive and well. So if I were to shift my focus to these rappers, the lifestyle of rappers when I grew up, this is what I was told about that kind of lifestyle. It's gonna either have you in jail or in the grave. Like that was the understanding, that, that's dead end. But there is a path towards life and life more abundantly. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So rather than to look to them, let's look to Jesus. It's, it's, only offensive in the fact that people think that just because you have a large platform that for some reason what you say is any more true. But the truth that I believe, it doesn't require you to believe it for it to be true. It, it shows itself in the pudding. So. And so, Shamiga, I'll give you the final say on this, but what, what baffles me about it is there's no other group of people that are sitting around rattling off the names of Amy Winehouse, didn't she die? Kurt Cobain, didn't he die? I, I'll never see a white politician, oh my God, if Amy Winehouse were still alive mm. today, and Kurt Cobain, and, and if this, if Tom Brady would just do this, or if Luka Doncic would just do this, or, or whatever actor or actress would, would, would do X, Y, and Z, we seem to be the only group that's like, we're gonna be saved by rappers, basketball players and actors and 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 not the people that are supposed to have a direct and direct line is because we all have a direct line to God but again I used to, anytime I had problems when my grandmother was alive I would call her and we would sit on the phone and pray about the issue because I felt like she had a direct line to God. I was always looking for a biblical, even when I was out in the world and doing silly stuff, I was always looking for someone that I thought had a more biblical worldview than me and a, was in direct communication with God more regularly than me. And, and we've just completely moved away from that. And, and we want, we look for people that have a direct line 
to money uh, as our solution. And again, I just, it all just, no other group does this and it just, money's not gonna fix our problems. I've had money, I have money, and I've had, I've not had money. My success and happiness has always been connected even, again, even when I was out in the world and doing silly stuff, the success I had in life, I can directly point to, oh, I was doing things consistent with what God wants me to do. That's why I had this success. My whole journalism career, I can point to my godly behavior that led to all that success. And then when I look at my personal life and say, why did I have all this failure personally? How come I'm not married? How come I don't have kids? It's because all of my actions were unbiblical. Mm. And <laughs> just yeah. one, I applied all of God's knowledge to my journalism career, an mm. embarrassment of riches. Wow. I implied the devil's plan to my personal life, an embarrassment of failures. Anyway, I've rambled. <laughs> Shamika, go ahead. When I saw this tweet last night, Jason, I said, you know, where would I be if Biggie hadn't told me that I wouldn't get Nathan but penetration unless it smelled like sanitation? You know, I don't even, this was the dumbest tweet that I saw yesterday. How does he think that these people who were simply entertainers would have pushed our culture forward? Malcolm X would have called him a bourgeois Negro, but since I was raised with hip hop, I'm gonna call him a bougie I don't know where you've been in the last 20 years that you think that these people being alive would have given us anything but more greatest hits. That's all they would have contributed to where they wouldn't have pushed us forward. So to say that is saying that you are not even paying attention to the culture. You don't see the decline or either you're turning a blind eye and you want people to continue to vote for the things that have caused the demise and the very destruction of the black community. You can't even be trusted with that unserious tweet. Shamika, thank you. Anthony, thank you. Uh, we'll play some harmony and we'll see you tomorrow. How did we end up so divided? One united, now we're headed for downfall. God let your light shine down. What we need more than anything now. Harmony. Let's make a simple vow. Let's come together now. Harmony. Put all your weapons down. Love one another now. Harmony. Time for us to wait. My brother, see through the lies you tell us. Cause together we're so much stronger. God, let your light shine down. What we need more than anything now. Harmony. Let's make a simple vow. Let's come together now. Harmony. Put all your weapons down.
Yeah. 